Hello, everybody, and welcome to another scintillating episode of We'll See You in Hell. My name is Patrick Walsh. With me, as always, is Joe DeRosa. We have decided this week to return to uh, the way this podcast began, the commentary format, beloved by many of you, um, probably hated by some of you, but we're doing it anyway. This week's movie is Ernest Scared Stupid. Um, I was going to go ahead and explain why we chose it, but you know, I mean, it's it's one of the classics of American horror. Uh, the Ernest franchise stars the great Jim Varney as Ernest P. Worrell and Scared Stupid, I would say, is generally considered among the top Ernest films. If we're counting, you know, Ernest Goes to Africa, all the all the ones that came later, Ernest Goes to School. Scared Stupid, uh, quality-wise, is near the top. I haven't seen it since I was a uh, young man. I know it used to terrify my little sister. The trolls are pretty pretty graphic, from what I recall. Surprisingly. And uh, we just want to start this thing off. we got 93 minutes ahead of us. So, Joe, are you ready? Yeah, we're watching on um, HBO, so you can watch this if you have HBO Go, or if you have the HBO... Oh, Joe. (laughs) Or if you have the HBO add-on for your Hulu, which is what I have. By the way, four bucks a month for a limited time. Get on that. That's nice. Uh, Or, you know, HBO on Prime, you know, some HBO streaming bullshit, so... Uh, here we go. Uh, on the count of three, then play. One, two, two three, play. play. We're seeing the HBO, the no, 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 no screen. <laughs> There's the rating screen. Now, when you uh, when you see that HBO, <laughs> uh, what show do you think of? I go to Sopranos, of course. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is yeah, always first. Sure. And then Dennis Miller Live. Really? Yeah. Okay. Which the HBO app has put two seasons of up, and I was very excited because I used to really like that show. Yeah. But they put up the last two seasons when he's like, it's not as fun because he's like way more right wing. Right. Um, Wing. And I like when he hits it up the middle a little more. Well, they are. I mean, now I see his tweets retweeted into my timeline all the time because he has become a complete parody of himself. But it's actually pretty funny. Like if I mean that you nobody can do it like him. The the references are so yeah. obscure and so stupid. Um, and he's you know basically talking about how how bad Barack Obama is. So it's this weird dichotomy of a very intelligent person um, saying very stupid things. He uh, he's always funny. I mean, even when he even when he's being ultra right and i don't agree yeah. it's he still makes me laugh like there's something about the de- wording and the demeanor and the delivery that makes me laugh <laughs> i think it's nostalgia i mean these tweets are just straight up bombs <laughs> but i do enjoy reading them i gotta say i am loving this credit sequence <laughs> i really am i mean it's just they got the old movie clips can you make this full screen and can we not look at that jumping icon, which you know triggers my OCD in a, in a big way? Uh, I don't know how to stop that jumping icon. It's I, an it's a printer software update, and to my knowledge, you don't have a printer. 
I have a printer. Okay. I don't have that printer anymore, and I can't. I've tried time and time again to get this software off the goddamn thing, and I can't get it off. You can't drag that icon to the trash and be done with it. Watch this. Ready? Yeah. Puts it right back. I mean, that's sick. <laughs> that's it just sick. You. It won't let you do it. Um, but at least full screen. But full the, screen. The here's image. why we can't do a full screen. Because you don't know if it fucks up the audio. Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a lot of eyes in a lot of places right now. All right. Mainly on that, the, the back of those tight jeans you're wearing, Pat. <laughs> uh, thank you. It is looking juicy today, folks. Well, I, I did my, my personal training this morning. Uh-huh. And, uh, All legs, evidently. <laughs> well, as I'm doing this, I mean, I, I you know. Briarville, Missouri, not not far from my uh, my hometown. Well, this is where the film starts with a uh, with a storyline in the what do you say? This is the seventeen hundreds or something like that. Yeah. Well, we all the, apparently a big influence on the witch uh, was Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> it does and start strangely like the witch <laughs> in school. I mean, we would always hear about this incident, and uh, you know, it was kind of Missouri legend. Um, the Ernest Troll incident? Yeah, this is actual documentary footage that oh, okay. kicks off the film. Um, they had video cameras in the 17... 17- they did. They did. Missouri way ahead of the curve. Missouri's always ahead of the curve, especially when it comes to technology. Uh, but anyway, I, I was working out this morning, and I'm about a month uh, from the wedding, and I feel much stronger. You know, I, I feel like you, you do abs, legs, arms, etc. And today, I'm carrying this giant like 50 pound kettlebell and doing these squats and you just feel your leg like being ripped to shreds and i was like i don't know that i need my legs to get any more jacked right i i've always had strong legs like let's work on this upper body a little bit let let me get to a place where i can be one of those guys who's walking down the school hallway and he does a push-up on a door frame you know what i mean sure pull up Sure. And Heather, your lovely fiance, soon to be wife. Yeah. She's told me about the beauty of the strength of your legs. <laughs> they're they're strong. She has said to me at times, she says, Joe, when I get him and and this is some details about your lovemaking, but she'll Proceed. say, Joe, when I get him up on the sink and he wraps those legs around, yeah. him, there's no safer place. Um I feel like that's probably true. You mean when she's sort of strapping me on? As we call it. I didn't quite understand how the sex would work that way, but apparently you <laughs> yeah. were seated on the sink and she was standing. I'll say this. We've never made love and not involved the sink. <laughs> and at first, that was a practical issue for cleanup. Uh, I am what, what is known as a squirter. Um, but it just became sort of a requirement. The apparatus uh, is erotic. It's it's it was it got to a point Pat couldn't get aroused anymore unless he saw a sink. Right. There was a lot of therapy involved. Well, uh, something we'll like to do because the danger element uh, sort of gets me hard is I'll actually have sex with the sink and then Heather um, will fire up the dispenser, the disposal, disposal. Right. Um, and uh, you know she's got me before. She's she's caught my dick with the the blades okay and uh that sense of adventure is is what keeps us happy five and a half years into this what does that do to your dick it's not great but it heals like anything else you know you put some back teen on it have you seen now, the you uh hear something weird real quick though yeah before you ask me this 
I started working on a new horror short story yesterday. Okay. And it begins with a man in therapy telling his therapist how he stared at his running garbage disposal for an hour straight the day before and how he want, he wants to put his hand into it. That's strange. the beginning of the story. It's very strange. Yeah, right? Anyway, go ahead. Um, by the way, much better. We're, we're, you had mentioned this before we started recording. Uh, to both of us, much better energy this week. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, I, we've, it's weird. We've had ones where like I'll walk away and be like, boy, we didn't bring our, our A game. And then they become like people's favorite episodes. Yeah. So you never know. But this week I felt like we both were real down and tense. And, you know, as positive a thing as it is to remove alcohol from your life, you know, it's hard to get into that performative, fun, funny mood uh, without sometimes, especially because it's become a, a habit, a bad habit. And I would say the other night it was tense and a lot of people uh, agreed. Uh, I can tell you why I was in a bad mood the other night and why I'm in a good mood today. And they're directly correlated. All right. I went to a video game flea market swap meet thing the other day before we recorded i bought a sega game gear which okay. is an old sega handheld for fifty dollars which was a good price and these things are known to have capacitor issues meaning the capacitors go bad the screen and sound doesn't work right as i'm paying the guy for it for this thing that i clearly cannot test out we're out in the wild uh we're literally outside he says, the capacitors have all been replaced. The thing's in great shape, so you're not going to have any problems. I say, great. Yeah, you talked about that. Maybe just to me prior to the uh, show. Just to you prior. Yeah. Bring it home. Capacitors are completely shot. Right. I'm furious. I called the store that's hosting the flea market, not the guy that sold it to me, but the he owned the facility where it happened. Right. The guy that run that owns this place by the way let me give them a plug game realms in burbank just a phenomenal video game store if you're into retro gaming or, or even present day gaming okay uh i call the guy I go look man i know it's not your fault but the vendor at the thing that you hosted sold me this thing it doesn't work maybe it was a mistake i don't know what can i do though can you put me in touch with the guy Again, hats off to the Game Realm guy. He goes, I want my customers to be happy. You bring that thing in here. I'm going to give you the 50 bucks back out of my pocket. Wow. I go in this morning. He does just that. I say, buddy, now I'm going to put this 50 back in your pocket. I'm spending it in your store. Sure. It's just a love fest all around. People just helping each other out. I walk in. Guy's got a Sega Dreamcast for 50 bucks. I've wanted a Sega Dreamcast forever. It was a no-brainer. I, 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 I not only got rid of the thing that didn't work, I upgraded to something I wanted more, didn't spend a dime. I love it. It was a great morning. I love it, Joe. <laughs> um, I love you. But, oh, and I you. But it's strange that that would make you so upset as, as what transpired here on Sunday night. Because as I commented on, on the Facebook page, because people were really dissecting it, where it all went wrong. So someone speculated that because John Krasinski works in comedy, you were jealous of his success. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think that's it. But, um, you know, uh, I, I commented that you were essentially talking about how much you enjoyed the movie with a seething hate that's right. generally reserved for movies you would not like. And that's what kept throwing me is I was like, why do you seem so angry when it seems like we both really enjoyed the picture? 
But did I felt that you were also not in a great mood either. Was that Well, I was I would be like sitting there looking at you and you would be like, You're you're high, you're angry at me, you're <laughs> giving me all this hostile energy. And I think that comes from no longer being uh, a little buzzed. I think that it, it takes a, a while to wean off it, and you take just someone sitting and looking at you as an attack. And I, I, I feel it myself. I understand. I, uh, I will admit this because because part of part of change is you got to admit your faults. Yeah, I will admit that. For some reason, I was getting aggravated a bit with your energy because I felt like you didn't want to be here. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, and I'm not so I'm not putting that on you. I'm not saying th- that gave me an excuse to be aggravated. But sure. I'm saying like I was being passively aggressive uh, because I was feeling like you didn't want to be a part of it or something. And well, I was starting to get more and more angry. I didn't want to be here. And by here, I mean alive. Right. Um, and I didn't want to be a part of it, and by it, I mean society. <laughs> That's where I'm at. And sometimes, especially without the aid of some sort of substance, it is hard to get into a, an, an up mindset. That's a shame, and that's what we're working on. Well, and that's what I felt, too, on my end. Um, it's uh, it's but I did read rough. I did read some of the comments, and it did seem that the general consensus was that I was more the aggressor. Yeah, well, that that came out much more on on Facebook. Instagram was pretty respectful, um, but they they get into it. It's it's fun to read. I always enjoy reading it. Now, uh, if I read it, will I get depressed, or is it just like, man, Joe was in a mood? No, sometimes the the criticisms of both of us get a little harsh. Okay, um, I don't take them personally anymore because I'm like, here are people discussing us talking on a couch for an hour. It's kind of cool. All right, um, let's at least briefly touch on Ernest. Um, so what is your history with the Ernest franchise? I remember once on this podcast, you said you saw Ernest goes to camp in the theater and you despised it. And then randomly last night, Joe's like, Hey, I'm watching Ernest scared stupid by choice. Let's do it for the podcast. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I watched when I was a child and I was a huge Ernest fan because of the morning show and the commercials. Yeah. What do you do commercials for? Like Wendy's or something? Uh, I looked it up. He did like Taco John's, um, Coke. He had a few yeah. big campaigns. So I, you know, I couldn't wait to see Ernest Goes to Camp. My parents took me to the drive-in theater to see it, and I remember not liking it. Um, Fascinating that you could love the Ernest character, but not Ernest Goes to Camp. It didn't. It's this. And I remember having the same feeling when I saw the Strangers with Candy movie. Okay. I loved the show. It's got I loved some the laughs, character. that movie. The, the, yeah, I'm not saying it's without humor. Yeah. But there was something that felt darker about it to me and, like, not fun. It, like, it just made me sad, kind of. I sure. didn't like how a lot of the parts had been recast. And sure. So I guess it was that sort of a thing. But, uh, you know, I never liked the principal on that show. I hate to single out the black guy, but I never liked the principal and I never liked the art teacher. I loved there. Colbert and I loved. Uh, you know Jerry Blank. There, you just named my two favorite characters: the principal and the art teacher. Where I loved so much. Maybe a rewatch would help me out, but I used to always just be like, I, I guess I just wanted to get back to Sedaris, frankly. But I loved the principal because I am a fan. Anytime that they write a character in a you know sort of mundane environment like a high school, yeah, uh, as if he was like a super villain. I, right. I thought it was funny that everything he said sounded very like Darth Vader esque. 
I, sh- I should give the whole series. I bought the whole series, and I haven't rewatched it since I was 18 or something. And the art teacher just watching him slowly, like his sanity slowly crackle away throughout the right. series made me laugh right. a lot. But uh, but anyway, um, so I saw Ernest Goes to Camp. I didn't like it. Then I rented Ernest Goes to Jail, and I loved it. Now, had you seen Ernest Saves Christmas, the one that preceded it? No. I, I, I went Skipped off. It. I went off Ernest for for a long cold turkey for a long time, and then for some reason I rented Ernest Goes to Jail, and I loved him playing the dual role of yeah. the mean, the evil criminal and, and and dumb Ernest and right. I really liked it. Well, him with a pen is a is a fantastic scene of, of Goes to Jail when he's chewing on the pen and it gets ink all over him. So yeah, yes. But I don't know if that would hold up either. I remember he controls yeah. lightning in that movie at one point. He's he's a electromagnet, you know, conductor. I don't think any of these movies hold up. I mean, he was the Larry the Cable Guy of our day. Yeah, I guess that's true. And nothing against Larry, but I just mean like I don't think anybody's going to watch those movies twenty years from now and go, you know, those are classics, right? Well, now when I was a kid, I watched all these a lot, and I never felt like they were kids' movies. But Camp Christmas. This one, there's lots of kids in them. I mean, I, I assume they were designed for children. Uh, yeah. And, and Hicks. Yeah. It's it's very Larry the Cable Guy. It's yeah. clean humor that's meant for, like, kids and, like, yeah, like like hickey pe- people, I guess. I don't know. But, like, right no there were... any of the Hicks. No, there. I liked it myself. But right there where he was playing all the different characters, what, what was that? Like, his inner brain? Who were they? What? Well, if you're watching along with us, we just, we just, or if you're not, we just watched, we just crossed the sequence where Ernest plays like six characters. Yeah. Always liked him as the woman. In one scene. Um, honestly, Pat, I, I, I didn't understand the other night. I thought it was him with these kids, like he's devising a plan. Yeah. And I thought it was him with these kids running from outfit to outfit. Right. And then at the end, of the scene, he's just earnest, and it's seemingly that Ugh. he wasn't in any of those outfits. A bird just shit in his eye. Could they have made that bird shit look any more like cum? <laughs> and and why? Well, bird shit looks is white usually. I guess so. Um, uh, but at the end of the scene, th- th- whatever the kid says indicates that Ernest was not changing costumes. That he just that maybe all this was happening in his head or something. So Ernest is insane? Well, at the end, he does it again. Yeah. Like in the climactic scene, and the kid goes, great, just what we needed, a multiple personality. So, yeah, the the insinuation. Ernest is deeply troubled. Yeah, is that he's like crazy. And the plot of this film is is that a troll has cursed Ernest's bloodline and that the ancestors of this guy from the 1700s will get stupider and stupider right and now it you know the the idea here is Ernest is the end of the line of stupidity so maybe a little insane got in there too i don't know well i'll say that i barely remember hocus pocus but i remembered feeling like hocus pocus was almost identical to Ernest scared stupid and it came out years later or a couple years later i never saw it uh, Everyone now loves Hocus Pocus. People have a lot of nostalgia for it. I know my sister loved it. I never thought it was that great, but maybe it's better than Ernest Scared Stupid. I don't know. I used to confuse it with the witches, 
and then I realized they weren't the same movie, and I really love The Witches. Witches is a great picture, yes. Uh, I've never seen Hocus Pocus. I tried watching the beginning of it, or I tried watching it recently, maybe last Halloween, but I'm just too old. Like it's Yeah. Like, I think something like that is is very much a product of the age you saw it at. Um, now, did you see Ernest Scared Straight? Because that is a very different film. <laughs> the pr- prison-themed? Well, yeah, he gets caught shoplifting and he, he gets sent to the straight scare. It's a lot of people telling them they'll rape his sweet ass. Uh, <laughs> I did not see that one, no. A lot of guys telling him you'd be a real cherry in here. Now, it's disturbing. Sh- it's not funny at all. Ernest Goes to Jail seems a more adult picture. Were there prison rape jokes? You'd almost assume there would have to be. Drop the soap. I can't. I can't remember. I've never seen a prison movie that didn't have rape jokes. I can't remember. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I do remember one of the gags in it is like he gets a bar of soap and whittles it into like a machine gun. Yep. Yep. That happens. That That's that's that, right? That's not Naked Gun 33 and a third, right? I don't think so. My favorite joke in Naked Gun 33 and a third, and I'm contradicting what I said was my favorite joke the last time we talked about it, but my favorite joke is probably... When uh, Leslie Nielsen first gets put in the cell and he takes that tin cup uh-huh. and rakes the bars and says, kill Whitey, yeah, yeah. Attica. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is, uh, yes, like a midget at a urinal. I was going to have to stay on my toes. <laughs> Great job. Um, yeah, I remember renting this a lot. My sister hated it because of the trolls who we have still not seen. In doing a little research, believe it or not, for the podcast, I learned that the trolls are designed by the same people who made the killer clowns from outer space. It makes perfect sense. The trolls are mildly disturbing. Looking. Yeah. Um, and I read into Jim Varney himself. I mean, I I guess when you're a kid, anyone over 30 is 100. But Jim Varney died at age 50. And I thought he was quite a bit older than that. Uh, yeah. Heavy, heavy lung cancer. Lung cancer. And apparently... You know, he basically had, like, blood on a handkerchief type situation. Yeah, and thought that had a severe cough, coughed up blood on the handkerchief, and then thought, well, I should maybe get this checked out. Yeah. Still not thinking, I don't think, that it was lung cancer. Right. Uh, But apparently he was like a chain smoker. Chain smoker, and he had done non-smoking PSAs, and everyone thought he did them post-lung cancer, but he did them pre-lung cancer. I see we read the same Wikipedia page. Well, there's only one. Yes. Uh, uh, now, do you remember Varney and Beverly Hillbillies? Did I you see that? Because that, that was a strange one. That was a movie where I was like, does anyone have any nostalgia for this? And it didn't do well, but... That movie came out at a time, and I didn't watch it. Yeah. Uh... It was, I remember very clearly, Nick at Night had just become a thing. Uh huh. The old sitcoms would play on Nick at Night, and there was this nostalgia craze for the 50s and 60s and the sitcom and the sitcoms they produced. And they started making all these new versions of things. So they did the Beverly Hillbillies movie. They did the Car 54 Where Are You movie. Massive bomb. They did My Favorite Martian with Christopher Lloyd. Yes, they did the movie of that. None of these movies. Leave it to Beaver with Chris McDonald. None of these made it made a dime. Uh, It's also around the time the Munsters Today came out. Yeah. Well, the Adams, probably the Adams family kicked off the trend because that was a huge hit and a great movie. And the Brady the Bunch movies were good too. Brady Bunch movies had some; they had that extra layer to them, where it was like 
both a celebration and a parody of them, which was very smart. Yes. Um, but the Beverly Hillbillies, I mean, just even from the trailer, I was like, this is, this is, this should have been direct to video. This is horseshit. It was rough stuff. And I remember being excited because, uh, again, showing off what a nerdy kid I was, I was like, ooh, Penelope Spheris directed it. She did Wayne's World. So uh, this will be great, you know, but it, you know, it, it wasn't. Didn't Dietrich Bader play Jethro? He did. Uh, Dietrich Bader of NBC's Outsourced. And the Drew Carey program. And the Drew Carey program. Super nice guy, Dietrich Bader, and very funny. And like weirdly now at age whatever, 55, you see him all the time in critically acclaimed stuff. He made like a switcheroo at some point. He's in Veep and he's in uh, that Pamela Adlon show. Better call mom or whatever. It's and called. he was bigger Better than whose things. line is it anyway? The American version. Yeah, I never got into that. Neither did I. But I mean, he's had a he's had a good career. When I wrote on Jeff and some aliens, the cartoon. Yeah. Uh, we had to do a table read. Brett Gelman, who played the main character, couldn't be there, and Dietrich Bader came in and did the read. Really? Which was so crazy to me. And I sat next to him. And I was like, this is a hell of a favor this guy is doing for somebody right now. <laughs> yeah, that's very strange. Yeah, but he was really nice. Couldn't have been a nicer man. Um, before we forget, Pat, and I hate to remind you or to tell you how to do your job. That we should get on with the show. And also on with a Joe. Come on, I dare you. Who's you don't, that? You don't know that, so I knew you wouldn't. Um, it's the XX. Very okay. popular indie band. I heard the song on the way over here. All right. It's called I Dare You. It's a very pretty song. It's uh, the actual I'm trying lyrics. to get us a little more indie. You know, we do too many big uh, 80s hits. The XX are a great band. They're one of those bands where you don't know if they're brother and sister or they're fucking or what's going on like the White Stripes used to be. They Still get, don't know to this day. Yeah. And uh, they're British and they make really cool music. They've had three albums that sound kind of identical, but I like them. And that song completely rips off the Kings of Leon song, uh, Use Somebody, where the chorus is, oh, oh, oh. it's the exact same melody. Okay. So, and that was a massive hit. And the songs came out two years apart. Nobody said a word. Meanwhile, we got Radiohead suing Lana Del Rey. Sounds like their XX is on fire. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I tried. Uh, that Lana first Del Rey three... thing is, is, so, is so similar to Creep. That yeah, I, was I like, still haven't heard it. I was, like, she, she, I, I, I was like, she didn't steal this. Yeah. This is like comically similar. Like She, right. she clearly just fucked up. But who knows? I mean, she got busted with the not being able to sing shit and everything. So I don't know how deep that river runs. Doesn't she go out with Axl Rose? If they're still together, yes. They were together when I saw Guns N' Roses. And he was like, I'd like to send this next song out to my girl, Lana. And they cut to this gorgeous woman looking adoringly up. 20 years younger. At Axl Rose. That money and that fame do not let you down. No. I Holy mean, but... But she has money and fame. That's what kind of throws you. But Axel's Axel's the kind of guy where I'd imagine he's got two hundred fifty million dollars. I would think he has more than that. Yeah, I mean he he was he was making huge number one hits at a time when that actually paid some money. Um, should we 
head on down to Pat's movie corner? Sure. I, I guess I forget about the old classics when we're doing these commentary ones. Uh, yeah, well, my phone was wiped out. I lost everything that I've seen, but I can remember stuff. I've been watching some older films, uh, most notably... I watched, well, not notably at all. I watched Outrageous Fortune. <laughs> so uh, it's It was starting one night. I couldn't sleep, and it was starting up, and I was like, this movie was a huge hit. It launched Disney's R-rated adult division, Touchstone Pictures. Who's in it again? I, I, th- these are all, th- these all blend together. Was it Goldie Hawn? Was it Bette Midler? It was Midler? Bette Midler and Shelley Long. That's right. And briefly, Christopher McDonald. And I just remember when I was a kid, I would really go up and down the comedy section in particular at the video store, scouring it for things that weren't rated R. And I was always thrown by that movie being rated R because I saw every comedy that wasn't until I learned how to sneak them out. And it's not like I was dying to see it, but it developed this kind of strange fascination to me because I was like, what could be so bad about outrageous fortune? And I watched it. Um, it was a bad movie. It's one of those 80s movies where they have like long comedic chases where the saxophones are playing. You know, like, uh, wah, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. And the, there's nothing funny about the chase. There's nothing suspenseful about the chase. Right. And every 80s movie has 20 minutes of chase with bad horns in the background. Right. Um, then at the end, they pulled out a Mission Impossible 2 in a relatively grounded movie. Uh, a guy pulled off his face <laughs> as a mask, Scooby-Doo style. Mm. It was the actor Robert Prosky, who you'd know if you saw him. Okay. And so Robert Prosky's in the first... So spoiler alert, by the way. He's in the first half of the movie as this pretentious acting coach with a bad toupee. So then at the end of the movie, when you're learning that everybody's double-crossing everybody, Prosky turns around in the front seat, and it's very clearly beloved character actor Robert Prosky. Of course. And you're like, okay, so he's got the, t- the toupee off now. Now I get it. Sure. Then he completely pulls his face off to reveal basically the same Robert Prosky face, but now he's got the toupee on, and he's like, it was me, in case you couldn't put it together. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen in a mainstream film. Jesus uh i don't recommend the movie at all it was very bad shelly long is doing a, a different accent in every scene she's playing an aspiring actress why was it rated r there well it was disney's disney's first break into adult stuff they did they had stakeout you remember touchstone yeah yeah so they would they dip their toe in with like adventures and babysitting three men and a baby like more more adult movies but then they also started doing r-rated movies they did Ruthless People, which is a hilarious yeah. movie that yeah, I the Zuckers that. did with Bette Midler, mm-hmm. Danny DeVito, Judge Reinhold. Very funny movie. Yes. And this was continuing in that vein. It was rated R for a lot of fucks from Bette Midler. Uh, okay. You see Shelley Long give head to a guy. Ooh. Um, they play... Is it arousing? No. No. They play two women who find out they're dating the same man, basically, and they learn that he's in the CIA or he's a crook and the cia is involved and blah blah blah. but he's got an outrageous fortune he has now i don't know i have no idea why it was called outrageous fortune and then at one point bet midler uh goes uh oh boy we're they're heading into like a 
bad neighborhood. There's a lot of subtly racist humor as well. And she goes, uh, oh, boy, I guess we're going to get murdered and raped in here. And oh. The jo- joke kind of like thuds. And then she goes in and there's like a 10-year-old boy who jumps out at them with a gun. And she's like, oh, well, at least we can cross rape off the list. I was like, holy cow. That was Bette Midler's thing in the 80s and 90s. She was like the sassy, you know? Yeah, well, she was playing a porn star in the movie, which I found very odd (laughs) to imagine that she would be a porn star. But um, it's an interesting movie, and there were some real questionable uh, racist jokes. Here's one. Now, I will say this is both racist and also the only joke in the movie that I thought was like, good okay which you know like at least i recognize that it was a well-written joke while being shocked by the racism so they're driving through this neighborhood this is the most anyone's ever talked about outrageous fortune by the way they're driving through a, a neighborhood and she's like oh boy uh what, what what are we supposed to do i think uh we're the only two white people in this neighborhood that's what uh-huh. charlie long says and bet midler goes no there's one right there whoop they got him and it was so bizarrely well written while also so so racist (laughs) that i was kind of blown away by it but uh any hoot all right that's i don't know why i even watched it but but here we are you watched it what are you gonna do it's one where a lot of my friends have seen it a hundred times because it was in the early days of hbo where they play the same comedy over and over. Sure. So even if something wasn't good, it would kind of live on in your imagination. I've heard friends discuss it. I'd never seen it. Uh, just a brief update in the movie. Ernest is running up and down with a <laughs> bullhorn yelling uh, to people that there are trolls descending on the town. Right. Nobody's listening. There was a woman drinking out of a brown paper bag. That was a weird. <laughs> that was a weird just like, you know, yeah. like throwaway joke. Um, uh so that's where we're at in the movie. Uh, anyway, I saw, uh, I watched my uh, finally Blu-ray of Conan the Barbarian. I didn't talk about this last week, did I? You didn't. I've never seen Conan, and I have heard that it has the best commentary in DVD history. I look forward to watching the commentary. I haven't watched the commentary yet. I did watch the documentary that came along with it. The movie's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's Conan, and on Blu-ray it looks great. Um, the effects look really cool. Um, it's a fun movie. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, but the best part was the documentary they did where they went back and interviewed everybody, you know, as they do on these special features. Right. And uh, uh, John, whatever his name is, the guy that wrote Apocalypse Now, the director. John Milius. Yeah. Great documentary about him called Milius. He... Uh, he tells a story about Robert E. Howard, I believe is the guy's name that that created Conan. And he said, you know, this guy was like a real eccentric and he would like board up his windows and he had like rifles in his house because he was convinced the town was going to like try to kill him. Okay. And uh, they said he wrote Conan because uh, he was sitting at his desk one night and Conan appeared to him with a giant axe and said, like, write about me or I'll split your body in half. Wow. And he would write all night, and then in the morning he would finally get the guts to turn around and Conan would be gone. And then he would have to, like, sleep in the day and get his energy back because Conan would return so I'd force him to write his, like, tales. 
Uh, I wonder with this shit how often people are, aren't just like they get tired of saying, I don't know, I thought about I thought of Conan and then I wrote the script. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, I don't buy that. Well, he wrote these stories in, I guess, the 30s. Okay. Or something or 40s. Uh, so, I mean, it's an, a really incredible story. It's probably a more interesting. The Robert E. Howard story is probably more interesting than the actual Conan story, but the Conan stories are great. Um, These jokes are funny that I'm seeing, by the way. He's selling no troll strips. I mean, the, I always liked these two characters. They're in all the movies as well. Yeah, the guy on the right that looks like he has no teeth. Yeah. But he does. He looks like Steely Dan. Who's he? Steely Dan, Donald Fagan. What's, what, what else is he in? I think he's in all these movies. and that's Because when I saw him, I immediately recognized him. I think it can only be from these. I think they were all a part of Ernest's world and the early TV specials and stuff, and they came all, they came along. Um, the plot of this film, by the way, because we haven't really touched on it, is <laughs> is this troll has now resurrected, and it's trying to raise its troll brethren from the earth. Yeah. And the only way it can do that is to get five children and turn them into wood figurines. Right. Which it succeeded already with one. That's pretty dark for a... Sure. For an earnest movie, you know, uh, that this troll is turning children into tiny wooden figures. Um, and then Eartha Kitt is a witch. Right. Who, Eartha Kitt gives it 110, you know. She really does, man. Here comes Ernest now, ready for battle with the trolls. Um, I, I saw a tweet online the other day that shook me to my core. It was like, how did Anthony Hopkins pull off best actor for Silence of the Lambs? He's clearly doing an Eartha Kitt impression. And of course, that never would have occurred to me. But then you think about it, and you're like, "That's yeah, very funny." Kind of. Uh, I saw Isle of Dogs. Oh boy! And uh, as you'll recall, I, I kind of went off on people being upset about this being cultural appropriation, what have you. Um, I, I will say, every Japanese character in the film, although they are played by Japanese people, talks in that kind of like. Oh, hello. Right. And it's a little unsettling knowing that it was written and directed by the whitest man alive, Wes Anderson. Um, but by and large, I thought the movie was pretty harmless. Uh, it was, I really thought the fantastic Mr. Fox was fantastic. Frankly, I thought it was funny. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. This movie looks every bit as great. Every single shot of it could be like framed and mounted over a fireplace um didn't give a fuck about any i mean the story is complete nonsense the he's always been like the driest possible sense of humor but like i think a big part of it was owen wilson co-wrote royal tenenbaums and rushmore and bottle rocket and that and the the jokes really hit in those movies and here they're just like barely even attempts and the cast is Bill Murray and Brian Cranston and all this, and there wasn't a laugh to be had. I, I wish I could recommend it because of the amount of care that went into making it. I like stop motion. I think it's a great and underused uh, format. But the movie is is nothing, frankly. All right. I had no interest. Yeah. And I do love dogs. Yeah. No interest. Uh, I watched... Um HBO's Andre the Giant documentary, one of the best goddamn documentaries I've seen in my life. I saw it myself. It was wonderful. 
Wonderful. I saw it myself, and I think just because I was never much into wrestling, although the era I was into it was the Hulk, Andre the Giant era, I wanted to know more. I I felt it was it wasn't quite in depth enough, and that might be coming on the heels of the fantastic four hour Gary Shandling documentary I had just watched a couple days prior. Um, but it left me a little cold. Uh, I was a huge wrestling fan as a kid. Yeah, I still enjoy it. Uh, I was a huge, huge Andre the Giant fan. I never knew about the darker stuff in that documentary so learning that was really uh interesting to me and heartbreaking right um let's just pause for this bit here in the movie this was the trailer by the way Ernest just slammed his hand in a dumpster and it you can tell how unpainful it is it's it barely is resting on his yeah. hand but that i remember that being the trailer for the for the movie slams his hand in a dumpster and does the gag of and i like the gag uh, he has to look at it three times to make sure that he's done what he thinks he's done. Yeah. And then he starts screaming. Right, right. Um, anyway, I, I, I love the documentary. I was howling with laughter at times. Sure. I was The discussion up. of his farts was very funny. Yeah. The discussion of his drinking was very funny. Tearing up at other times. You know, I really liked watching the Rob Reiner, Billy Crystal, Carrie Elway commentary about uh what it was like to work with him on princess bride and i just thought it was a wonderful piece of work and i thought it really humanized wrestling yes you know especially when you got a documentary where vince mcmahon is crying at the end of it it's like it's not something you see every day no yeah vince mcmahon just comes across as the usual piece of shit that he always has (laughs) i mean this is a guy that in an interview on real sports when the reporter challenged him about the steroid use in wrestling and goes don't you feel bad right don't you feel guilty vince vince mcmahon it's my favorite thing i've ever seen in an interview he starts going like making this yeah. mock crying noise and then slaps the guy's papers yeah <laughs> what's that that's not in beyond the mat what's that in it's it's just like a thing from real sports or something. Uh, oh, I have I've seen that. It's one of the it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in an interview in my life. I've watched yeah. it over and over. So to see that guy crying at the end about the falling out he had with Andre and like right. the loss of this guy and what he meant to him and everything. It's it's a it's a really great piece of work. I really loved it. Well, then I will I will end the movie corner. Um oh, I got s- one more. Oh, well, I'll end my movie corner by talking about three HBO documentaries. So as I just said, The Honor the Giant was pleasant, but I think because I had watched two four-hour documentaries in the same week, I was missing that level of depth with The Honor the Giant documentary. That thing was a cool, like, 85 minutes. It was, yeah, very short. Um, Now, Judd Apatow made this Gary Shandling documentary four-hour. You're probably not aware of it because... Apatow doesn't mention it on Twitter, uh, <laughs> but he did do it, and uh, it's a beautiful piece of work. It's it's fantastic. I'm a big Shandling fan, um, and in addition to just being a good documentary about the man and his practice and his creativity and his art, it is a really exceptional look at the toll that being somebody in comedy, that being a creative person takes on your brain, your self-esteem, your, you know, what what a failure can do to you. They go into that movie, What Planet Are You From? And how it... I like that movie. I thought it was, you know, entertaining as well. But, you know, it, 
it uh, this was definitely a warts and all kind of look at a guy who just could not get happy, but lived his life in in endless pursuit of being happy. Right. Um, I related to it immensely. I thought it was a fantastic documentary. I haven't seen it, uh, but I will one day. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and remind me to tell you a story that I need to tell you after this podcast. Oh, off, and off record. the record. OTR. Oh, I love that. Um, um, and I, and and one more documentary, if I may. I also watched the four-hour Elvis documentary, which I don't even remember the name of. It's called like Pro, I don't know, Promised Land or something like that. But um, I have been a huge Elvis fan since I was a very little kid. I still put his records on. I love the man. Yeah. Um, and it's this weird thing where i've read two giant uh, or, or a two-part biography about the man so i knew maybe too much but the early stuff where it's like he was doing things with black music that that's like i've heard this 45 billion times right so there's an era there's a an hour of it where i was like if you know nothing about elvis i guess would hold your interest but it's like yeah we know what he did he brought in elements of gospel and black music and blah blah they talk to Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen and various people, and it's all very cool. What When they really get into just, and I, I had heard a little bit about this, but Colonel Tom Parker, who was his manager and just a complete charlatan, just kept this man who is without question one of the most talented performers in American history, mm-hmm. kept him completely ch- under chains, would not let him tour the globe because he was worried he would like Japan and not come back or something. Uh, Elvis Jeez. really wanted to act in things and and would get offered like big parts in big Oscar caliber movies. And the colonel would say, no, you're going to make this piece of shit. Um, he was doing three movies a year with zero quality control. Jesus, I didn't know that. And they're talking to Priscilla Presley and Tom Petty and all these people. And they're just like, he completely ruined this amazing man's career and like he it was all about the merchandise he would book him for all these shows and then be like selling elvis pens to the audience like a like a popcorn vendor during the show and just wouldn't let elvis be elvis then the one time he did the elvis live in memphis which is unquestionably his best album it's got your suspicious minds and all that stuff from those sessions uh uh-huh. It's like this major triumphant comeback, and he finally got away from the Colonel's producers, and uh, it also was his biggest seller, and like he finally did something without this guy, and then what did he do for the album next? Went right back to Colonel Tom Park. Now, is there the illusion that uh, uh, that that Parker got him on the drugs and all that stuff? It's not mentioned. Uh, according to Priscilla, he never did anything not prescribed which I kind of believe Elvis seems like a pretty kind of moral man who just was, he was too much of a people pleaser is what it seems like. Right. And you know, he got into this thing where he had a a terrible fear of not being able to sleep, which if you've ever had insomnia, you do kind of talk yourself into this weird, like paranoia where you're like, maybe I'll never sleep again as, as you, as you gets crazier and crazier. I've had periods of insomnia. Um, and he was so scared of it that he started taking sleeping pills and then he got addicted. He'd be groggy, and he started taking the uppers so he could perform. Right. And that's when you get into this period where, as Tom Petty says, uh, you know, uh, let's be honest, Elvis put on weight, 
and that is uh, a number one punishable by death crime in show business. You wow. cannot put on weight in show business, and uh, to have to get up there and, and have been a sex symbol all this time with 20 extra pounds, he had to kind of numb that pain and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a s- sad story, a great documentary, um, and if you have any interest in Elvis, I, I recommend it. It's a great movie. All right. Is it, also, is it by the guy that did the Sinatra one and the Scientology one? Uh, I don't know that those two are by the same person, actually. No, those definitely are by the same person. Okay. And he did the James Brown one, too. He did not. No, I don't think it's the same guy. Okay. It's a different guy. Um, uh, uh, what? Oh, well, speaking of HBO, we can close with this. I finally saw the last season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Thoughts? I liked it. You know, it was it was funny. It had its moments. It, it, there was a lot of recycled stuff in it. Yes. Um, from both Seinfeld and earlier Curb seasons. Absolutely. Um, but for the most part, it was it was enjoyable. I thought J.B. Smooth and um, Funkhauser stole the show uh, this this time around. With a, a thousand percent. And the scene with Funkhauser and Smooth where he's talking about his son. That a di- son died. The nephew right? died. Nephew yeah. died. Um, when and I don't even remember the situation, but Smooth's like, "You're you're doing too much. <laughs> you do you got this. You got, you're trying to do too much." I remember that was my biggest laugh of the whole season. It's uh yeah, Jamie Smooth had some some home run fucking lines. The uh the are you disturbed by him wearing a full do rag in every scene? No, why? It's it's feels like an old white man's idea of black america and i it's it's always troubled me that he always shows up like drinking a 40 with a with a uh, bandana on his head but maybe i'm i'm reading too much uh, into it. i don't think so. no because it's it's not like that's the only way black people are ever portrayed that's on true. curb and i think the whole idea of that guy was he was that sort of dude and then the family left and it was funny that Larry yeah. and him formed the bond over right. Larry and anybody else in the family. But um but I I I mean JB Smooth was a legend. I started in urban in the urban comedy circuit and he was a legend when I started. Right. Uh and nobody in the mainstream at all knew who he was. Uh so to see him now have such success in the mainstream is pretty great uh because I'm telling you like the guy was talked about it, there was like a lure around him about sure. how funny he was. When uh, I was at SNL, he was a writer who would occasionally be the guy in the cold open who'd be like, uh, I have a question, Mr. Cruz. It's, and I was like, why don't you put him on the fucking show? Oh, because that was the season they decided to put Finesse Mitchell on the right. show over J.B. Smooth. I was like, what is wrong with this show? Like, what Finesse are they doing? Mitchell is such a fucking asshole. And for anyone to look at those two people and think that Finesse is the funnier of the two is insane. It's crazy. He's playing that big fancy theater in Glendale, the one over by the Americana. I was like, how did he book this? Unless that theater's tiny inside. I don't buy it. I think, yeah, I don't buy that he's going to sell those tickets. No. Uh, yeah, he sucks. He's one of few people I, I, I never even bat an eye talking shit about no, he's, in the entertainment industry. He's him, Aries Spears is another guy where I'm like, fucking asshole. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, but J.B. Spooth did some home run lines. The line, uh, you're going to fuck around, forget to plug up the chimney. Fat twat <laughs> claws is going to come down and kill your ass. Yeah. 
Funkhauser's outburst at the table. I hate your water. I feel like I stuck a straw in a frog's ass. Fa- uh, yeah, fantastic. It's just they 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 really killed the season. Uh, everybody killed David. You know, it was the episode with uh, Garland deciding he's going to dress as a cowboy. Now was like where you see him <laughs> from the woman's point of view. Garland humping away wearing a 10-gallon hat. Yeah, this is my look. It's going to be my look now. Uh, I, I, My first manager that I ever had did that, and I wondered if that was in any way based on that. He started wearing a cowboy hat? He started, he started off by wearing the hat and then went full cowboy. Okay. And I was like, are they making fun of this guy? Is this who they're talking? It was very weird, but it made me laugh because I could relate to it, quite frankly. Right. Uh the, the curb stuff that bothered me this season, and, and part of it, it just happens to somebody with this amount of money for this long, is like the full episode with Steven Weber, who I love, where they're like, you know how hard it is to get a good shucker, a good oyster shucker in this town? We've got the, the best oyster shucker yeah. for our parties. I was like, you are in such a niche yeah. world now. That you're you're alienating your audience. Yeah, it went, we, we don't all have oyster shuckers at our parties. It went a little deep into the the the, the sort of privileged lifestyle this year. I agree with that. I also didn't like. Why is Stephen Weber playing a character? Why is what's her name from Gilmore Girls playing a character? We know who these people are. They well they like, they switch back and forth. They do that kind of stuff, which it doesn't bother me that much. But he the, told John Favreau, "You're too famous to. Pl- you're not famous enough to play yourself. You're too famous to play a character." It's like, I, I think uh, uh, Gilmore Girls is is as way more household of yeah, household recognition than than John Favreau would be by face. I agree. I like that stuff about you know the uh, relationship clause and all that. I thought was pretty funny. Where it hit a, I didn't love the fatwa, and I particularly thought it hit a snag in the last couple with uh comedy killer uh lynn manuel miranda those scenes you didn't think he was funny those scenes shook me to my core there was an icy silence reverberating throughout my house um and the whole thing about larry david now is suddenly too sensitive to tell a man that he'd like him to not sit at the desk i was like but this is the man who screams in the face of everyone. Well, that was that was my one criticism. I know I just said two other ones, but those were those were not really criticisms. Those were just were like, eh, that's weird. Right. My one criticism of the season was I was surprised at how much there were there were many moments in the plot devices and stuff where I was like, why didn't he just do this? Like, why didn't you know? Like, he yeah. seemed to just kind of throw these two things together because. He had ideas and he tossed them together. There didn't seem to be that like sort of expert weaving of everything that there used to be in right. the in the previous seasons. Again, but for us, a bad you know, season, for but. a season ten of of one of the all time great comedies yeah. to be slipping a little, I, I I was happy we got the season. I I agree. I thought Lin Manuel was funny though, man. I I I I was actually shocked at how much of a fucking asshole he portrayed himself to be. That, that, that dude is, is not my thing for some reason. And they did that Broadway shit with the producer's season, which I well, thought was beautifully done. That's what I mean. It was like another, we're going to do another a musical thing again. Yeah. They did the Seinfeld finale thing again, 
where Ern- it's like I'm which, barely looking at the screen. Ernest has hit himself and three others in the face with car doors. Well, you also missed two. They they showed it once, and I believe they've already called it back. The the flashback to him as a kid, where his teacher hits him in the back of the head, okay. and his face slams into the chalkboard. <laughs> okay. Uh, which, if you did now, you'd be not just out of a job, but, you know. Sure. God only knows. Um, anyway, so that was Curb. Uh, f- scary. Shit, I had a scary stuff. Damn it. Uh, where's my phone? Now, how many of these gaming systems have you never played? I've played all of them. Okay. All right. The, oh, the, so down there are the ones in reserve. So there's the Dreamcast. I haven't played that yet. I don't have a place for it. I haven't played that Sega Genesis Model 1 yet, but I have a Sega Genesis CDX over there, so I don't need to. It's just the same. It's just a different model. And I never played my Famicom. Okay. Because this started by you saying you'd played them all. Well, I'm saying, like, I don't need to. The only one that I haven't. The Famicom is just the Japanese version of the Super Nintendo Mini that I have over there. All right. So it's like, it's not like, it's not like, oh, I've, it's literally saying like, uh, 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 you know. (laughs) Well, you make an interesting point, Joe. It's like saying, it's like saying, have you seen Star Wars? And you go, yeah, I saw, you know, I saw these three editions. I didn't see this one version of the special. It's that kind of difference. All right. Um. What did I have for scary stuff? Pat, I, I I don't know what's happening, but my quitting of alcohol and substances, <laughs> my brain has not gotten any sharper. It, yeah, I would say less sharp. It's it's It seems to be dulling down. Uh, There's probably a rebuilding period of the brain where it has to get, a, get used to creating its own sensations and feelings and emotions. Uh... Okay, I'm going to plug uh, the uh, Metroid uh, Samus Returns um, video game uh, for the Nintendo 3DS. Uh, It's a remake of the second Metroid game that was only ever released on the first Game Boy, the black and white version. Um, This is old. This is not a new game. It's been out for probably a year at this point, but you know what? It is a fucking fantastic Metroid game. I really like it quite a bit. A couple people have some criticisms about the game mechanics. I actually think the game mechanics are pretty great once you get into it and get used to it. Um, But if you're a fan of a sci-fi, alien-inspired video game, uh, I I would greatly suggest you check out Metroid. And even more so, Axiom Verge, which I just got for my Switch. It's just awesome. Just two awesome games that are cut from extremely similar cloth. Uh, so check them out. Axiom Verge is a lot of fun. It's a lot of like pustules and tumorous things that you shoot. They're alien growths and they splatter and shit. I, I like stuff like that. Uh, anyway, check them out for your gaming pleasure. Great. And that's Joe's scary stuff. Do you have anything you want to talk about a, a dog you saw in the street or something? <laughs> um, no, I, I didn't have anything particularly scary happen this week. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't have anything. I'm sorry. And I, and I don't. Uh, let me think. I watched 
No, that was The In-Laws. That's a comedy. I watched all the special features on the Criterion of The In-Laws. The original or the Michael Douglas? I've seen them both. Uh, I actually didn't. Dis- well, I watched it on a plane, so you always have to give it a 50% advantage on a plane. But I didn't hate the Albert Brooks, Michael Douglas In-Laws. But the original is so fucking good and funny with Alan Arkin it's, and Peter Falk. Yeah, the original's a masterpiece. And I was just thinking, like, you know, Alan Arkin and Peter Falk are sort of legendarily great character actors, but, like, you... you there, there are zero comedies made today where, like, those two guys would be the star of it and it would get a release. It doesn't happen. Um... I I would agree. There's would agree. there's ten people in comedy according to Hollywood, and they're the only ones that make movies. But like, there's got to be so many. You know, like Gosling, for example. I've always really loved Gosling, and I think he's got impeccable taste in terms of the roles he picks, and he knows when he's get got been too indie for too long, and he'll throw yeah, yeah. you a, you know, throw you a crazy stupid love or whatever that, which was an entertaining movie. Sure, but I just think he's got good taste, and he's a great actor. Um, and I want to fuck him, but folks, Ryan Gosling, uh, is a guy who you think of as a serious dramatic actor who must not have any sense of humor, but they trusted him with the nice guys and he's so fucking funny in the he's nice fantastic guy. in it. He's so it's funny. yet another thing that makes you go, fuck you, Ryan. Gosling. I know the man is unstoppable. I know. And I guess, you know, I'm, I'm well, I'm proving my point here because the in-laws was not a successful film and either was the fucking nice guys. I bet the nice guys lost $40 million and it's two really strong, dramatic actors, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. They did try it and it didn't work. So I guess that's why. I mean, these things I want more of in, in movies Apparently, uh, unfortunately, they're just not successful, so they'll never happen again. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. The 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 in laws uh, just a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, you, you can't the 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 the, com- the comedic chops of Falk and Arkin are pretty are pretty goddamn impressive. I mean, these are two guys they're that could fantastic. turn a drama on its ear and then you know jump right into comedy and and how much it. I mean, I guess you could say inspired, but pretty ripped off uh, by Meet the Parents. Yes, extremely. I mean, it it was kind of crazy that he's in the CIA. Like everything about it is almost the same deal. I, I Meet the Parents is uh, hilarious comedy as well, but it's utter thievery, a little bit cocksuckers. And I learned in going down that Wikipedia hole last night that Meet the Parents was based on a short film called Meet the Parents that they bought the rights to. Didn't even know that. Uh, and was it by the same guy? No, the guy's because, never been heard from again. Because the guy that did, the, forget the writer or director of Meet, uh, well, the writer of Meet the Parents who went on, what's his face? And he, Jim Hamburg? And he wrote, no, and he wrote uh, Dinner with for Schmucks. and The writers are Hertzfeld and, and Jim. Uh, and then he directed, hold on. Give me a minute. I'm looking it up. Give me a second here. It's the same guy that wrote and directed Safe Men. Hertzfeld. No. I don't think. It has two writers. I forget the other guy's name. Jim something. And the people John, who... John Hamburg. It is John Hamburg. Is it? It's Hertzfeld and Hamburg, I believe, are the two guys. So Hamburg wrote... Say Oh, well, yeah. Along Came Polly. Meet the Parents. He directed Little Fuckers. Right. Um, because Safe Men was based on a short that he made. 
Okay. Uh, I love, which obviously a, love Safe Man. Bonus, uh, which is a bonus uh, feature on the uh, DVD. I love Safe Man. Uh, now, trivia question. Do you know which uh, acclaimed filmmaker did the final pass on Meet the Parents script? No. Well, it was Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor, the gentleman who wrote Sideways about Schmidt. Really? Election, and then several bad movies since then. Uh, they did the final pass on Meet the Parents. I love stuff like that. I love when the Coen brothers are like, yeah, we'll th- we'll do this giant budget movie. Like Coen brothers writing on Bridge of Spies is fascinating to me. What is the, uh, what is the last pain movie that came out? Was it that black? It was and white his one? absolute worst, downsizing. Oh, geez. Downsizing. Nebraska was very slow, and I thought it was fine. And then The Descendants, I thought, was pretty bad as well. I hated The Descendants. I did as well. It was like it was like a schmaltz fest yeah. of what he usually does really well. Yeah, agreed. I, I fucking hated it, man. Um, the uh, Here's something for deadlines from Scream NN. Yeah. The 24-hour news psycho. Yeah. Uh, and it's, Boy, uh, old Kilgariff is still pushing that uh, <laughs> uh, Bloomberg scream, screamberg. It was a real desperate attempt. It didn't make like call it Doomberg or something. That's what that's what we both said to her. Oh, uh, I hung out the other night. She was like, "I'm still mad you shut that down." And I was like, "You mad at me or are you mad at yourself?" Well, you know what we didn't shut down, Karen, is is coming to you live from the uncut thick dick house. Yes. That was yours, and we used it. That's true. And uh, speaking of which, folks, the Hog House store is open. On Etsy. Uh, on Etsy. Go to the Etsy and find the Hog House. Is it the store or shop? Shop, probably. Shop. Uh, so go check out the Hog House place <laughs> on Etsy. Uh, thank you again to all our patrons uh, on Patreon, and thank you... To our friends that uh, have been so, or fans that have been so supportive, and also a big shout to Emily Florence, who got all this stuff set up, and our dear friend Ken Hanley, formerly of Fangoria, uh, the guy that is responsible for greenlighting this podcast. Uh, We got a nice email from Emily and Ken today saying that they are looking into setting up a live show for us. I Um, see it. So the, you know, I don't know where we'd be without those two, honestly, because, yeah, know, we would love, obviously love to do it. Pat and I can't even, you know, get through a week without a drink, without <laughs> throwing well, we our can, hands up apparently. in the air. We should do one at the Lyric. I think we should do a bigger room than that. The Lyric is very small. It's true, but I I mean, I, I just I love it because it's uh, a five minute walk from my house, but I saw two of the best comedy shows I've seen. At the Lyric in a two-week period. I want to do a weekly at the Lyric. Yeah, you should. And I don't know why nobody's doing that. You should. I want to do like, you know, like a showcase thing, you know, where everybody does 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I will, Pat. And the, the Pepitone guy authorized the use of, use, use of his name, Scott Patton, okay, the guy who wrote the fan fiction. Uh, he had a very funny recap of our, our brief meeting at the thing. What was the meeting? Uh, or what was the recap, rather? He said, he came up, said on with the Joe, we talked for a bit, but he, he had every detail of the exchange, except I told him I couldn't vouch for the first part of his story, which is that he ate a burger in his car before going into the show. 
Man, that sounds good. I'm very hungry right now. Yeah, I've been eating a vegan meal delivery service oh, in addition God. to the uh, working out. So it's just diarrhea all day. Jesus Christ. So you don't want to get lunch after this. Then. I can't get lunch. I'm sorry. You got to go get vegan. What are you going to eat? Like a vegan turkey sub or something? I wish it nothing was that is good. made what it's I wish it was what that it's supposed good. to be. It's uh I mean I I have eaten a few dishes now where I'm like I don't know as I'm eating it if it's gone bad or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like vegetables and they drop the bag off in front of your house so you don't know at what point of the night it came. If it I mean it, we're we're finishing up the plan this week but it, it's uh me and Heather are trying to plan a wedding while eating only vegan food and working out nonstop, and we are both really pushed to our limits. Now, I'm thinking about, without exercise, yeah, doing a 10-day or 7-day or, or whatever it is, ju- green juice cleanse. Okay. Uh, my dear friend Nate Bargatze just did one, uh, and he said uh, that it was amazing and he lost weight, and it's worth doing. I do one every year with much less nutrients than green juice. Uh, I, I swear by it. I like it. It helps you kind of reset your shit. And yeah, I mean, because I I gotta I gotta shave off about ten. Sure. And I think that's a fast way to do it. Yes. Uh, and you know, I'm already not boozing, so what's right. what's to stop me? I'm just terrified of how hungry I'm going to be. Yeah, it's um the this maybe the. First and second day, the novelty of it is still there, and you're fine, especially if you eat a bunch the night before you start. But then, like, the third, fourth, you start getting kind of a headache and very irritable. Many people drop out at that point. But if you stick with it, by day 10, you feel like you could do 30 days, no problem. Okay. And it's a 10-day thing? It's not a 7-day? You do whatever you want. I would start with a 7 myself. but would I, Should I start with a 3 or a 5? I mean, if you if you're doing a, a ten, you're starting with a three anyway, aren't you? You know, I've just never done it before, so I don't know yeah. if it's like dangerous to go. It's not dangerous. Where do I, I mean, go doctor, buy one? Of a those? doctor might tell you it's dangerous, but what do they know? Where do I go buy one of these things? Well, you're in Los Angeles, so uh, literally anywhere. All right, I don't need the <laughs> the flippant. There are hundreds. My my place that I go to that does great work in this realm, and they hook you up with everything you need, is uh, called Super Cunts. Super Cunts, yeah. Oh, it's well, uh, not to be confused with Super Cuts. <laughs> it's uh, Super Super. I'll I'll send you the link. These people don't care about this. All right, but I'm gonna so I'm gonna go into a green juice cleanse. But if I go into the store, cold turkey, I go look. I've never done you, this. You in can't my have life. cold turkey on the on the juice cleanse. You it's can't. Just, wait. It's just juice. You can't have the cold turkey <laughs> on the juice. I'm gonna oh. start with a pound of uh, shaved ham. No, I'm saying I go in and I go look. I've never done this before. I want to start tomorrow. What do I need? They go. Here's what you need. Right. And it's like a hundred bucks for like a week, yes. seven days. Yeah, usually. Which is less money than I would spend if I just ate regular. Correct. All right. Now, are these trolls designed for their noses to look like dicks? I know in Nothing But Trouble, Aykroyd's nose was obviously modeled after a dick. I Uh, feel like this is as close as it can get in a PG-rated kids movie. We did talk through the scene where Ernest is trying to tell the sheriff that there are trolls in the town. Yeah. 
And he goes, Sheriff, eh, the no shot, come on me. And that didn't happen. Yes, it did. It did. It, you talked right through it. <laughs> You uh, right and how do they it. find out that the look, trolls look, can only be killed by milk? Basket up with milk now and cottage cheese. I mean, it's just a cum reference to this whole movie. <laughs> how do they discover this? Oh, and checks. Ernest used to do commercials for checks, so there's a probably got some money there. Know what I mean? Know what I mean, Vern? You never see Vern, right? Never. And who even was Vern? Was it? Was that part of his? Uh, you know, this is a puppet, by the way. You know where? You know why you never saw him? Is he was he was horribly disfigured. Oh no! Yeah. Was he also a figment of Ernest's imagination? No, because you'd see his hands and stuff. You just yeah. wouldn't see his face. And, and they were just, just friends. Yeah, he was like his best friend, and Vern would always be. Uh, I read a thing on Wikipedia like they did these burger commercials for some like new mexico burger chain yeah and the the gag was like Vern was always inside eating the burger and Vern was always i mean and ernest was always outside right like what you eating in there Vern? yeah yeah a bacon double cheeseburger yeah how is this earnest impression is it pretty good <laughs> it's one of your best but it's a terrible impression give me a scenario to do as earnest because i gotta be honest with you pat i'm hitting that hour 15 mark where <laughs> i want to go to sleep right now. uh give me earnest get, purchasing a seven day juice cleanse now i hear you all have the best seven day juice cleanse in all of los angeles oh boy i would like to lose weight to become fit to become sh- cut to become <laughs> slim uh-huh. so i can it's not bad. It's, I'm getting the rhythm of him. Okay. That's kind of how he would yeah. say it. Ernest P. Worrell. I haven't even heard him speak in this because we're watching it with subtitles. Jesus Christ. There's another 21 minutes. It feels like we should be in the home stretch, and yet this, we're not. I got to tell you, I knew 15 minutes ago we were in trouble because we weren't at this part yet. Right. And I knew that this was the beginning of like the sort of finale and that it went on for <laughs> fucking ever. Well, it's structured. I mean, the movie's 93 minutes. I feel like Ernest are generally like 79. Uh, this was the last theatrical release. Yes. Um, and I uh, also. Well, no, I, it wasn't. Ernest Rides Again was the last theatrical release and it bombed really bad. That's not what I'm. That's not what I saw on the Wikipedia. Are they I'm wrong? Look it up now. Hold on. Because it actually it said like this movie made a meager fourteen million, so it was the last theatrical release. And I thought to myself, what could the budget have been? Sixty bucks? I guess the trolls cost money. Uh, hold on. I'm gonna look this up. Quite frank. Quite frequently, I'm positive I'm correct, and I'm hundred percent wrong. Right. Now Ernest is bowling for trolls trolling if you will i guess he does look like a young man young enough not really he's like 40 there (laughs) well yeah if he died at 50 he was in daddy and them which was billy bob thornton's uh picture and he did a good job i i assume he was just a guy who uh, people could only see as Ernest. but billy bob thornton seems like the kind of guy who would love Ernest. Uh, where is it here? The Ernest Films. He also played Slinky Dog in the yeah Toy Story. Toy Story first two films. Do you remember a picture called Fast Food with Jim Varney that was on cable all the time back in the day? Very vaguely. 
It was a shitty PG-13 sex comedy. God damn it, you're right. Thank you. And I got it confused with uh, Hamburger the Motion Picture, which was a hard R. And no, I'd- no, I was right. Yes, yes. Ernest Rides Again. Sixth film to feature the character Ernest, the fifth film in the, uh, the, in the last to be released re- re- theatrically. Ernest Rides Again. I mean, the Wikipedia for Scared Stupid says, says this is it. So No, it doesn't. It says it right here. But you're not looking at the Scared Stupid Wikipedia. Its budget was $7 million. It's a, the plot of it is he's a history professor. I think oh, I no. remember that being Ernest, theatrically released. Ernest and a history professor discover a long-lost revolutionary war cannon because it's and it's filled with precious jewels. Oh boy! Uh, the f- there was an Ernest in space being discussed. I read. <laughs> what is the cover of this one? Why is confetti falling down in his face? That looks like a greeting card. Yeah, that's uh, uh, and then also it's never good when on this poster it says also featuring Mister Bill goes to Washington. Yeah. Boy, there's something I never found funny. It was Mr. Bill. Uh, yeah, I just never gave a fuck. No. Due to its modest gross of $14 million, it was the final Ernest film to be released under the Disney label Touchstone Pictures, which weirdly we were discussing at the beginning of this. There you go. All future Ernest films were independently produced, and following the financial failure of Ernest Rides Again, they shifted to straight to video. Ernest Goes to School is your first... Yeah. Direct to video. And there actually is a picture called Ernest Goes to Africa. <laughs> Which there is. I'm not, I'm no, not making I, that I up. I know there is. I know. I'm just and laughing. I don't know what that thing looks like, but I, I'm certainly curious. Slam Dunk Ernest was the second direct to video. It started him and... Um, that I remember. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That I remember. The third was called Ernest Goes to Africa. Oh, boy. Yeah. Look at the cover of that thing. What do you got? Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see what the... With the uh, I don't care how little a budget you have. You can do a better fucking cover than that. In this film, Deacon County, Ohio resident Ernest unknowingly comes into the possession of some stolen jewels. Back to the jewels. And is kidnapped and brought to Africa where he must rescue the woman he loves. The film was shot entirely in Johannesburg, South Africa. Wow. Uh, After that came Ernest in the Army. Yeah. Holy Christ. Look at the cover of that one. These are are sub Larry the Cable Guy. Well, yeah, these these are bad. Ernest joins the Army because he wants to drive large vehicles. Uh, but ends up being sent into combat. It was shot in Cape Town, South Africa. There's got to be some kind of budget cut down there where they were like, yeah. we can shoot it for cheaper. Or they're popular and in, in Ernest is popular in Africa or something, which I can't imagine. But. Uh, John Cherry, the director, his son played Corporal Davis. That's a weird fact. I remember that, the old... <laughs> That he just did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really sort of a precursor to an Ace Venture. Yeah, no, that was his catchphrase. That and know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to see what else John Cherry directed. Nothing. I looked him up. He, he was he was an, a ride-or-die Ernest guy. His last film was called Pirates of the Plain. 
Oh, Jesus. He directed The New Adventures of Laurel and Hardy, uh, a film in which uh, apparently the people playing Laurel and Hardy aren't even famous enough to get a credit (laughs) in the starring section. Uh, There there isn't even a, a starring section on the Wikipedia page. Holy shit. Oh, no. Bronson Pinchot. I remember that. Played Laurel. Balky himself. Galliard Sartain. Galliard Sartain, yep. He was, he was in Ernest Goes to Camp. He was also in The Outsiders. Yeah. He's like a big fat dude. I would imagine because he's playing Ollie. Uh, do you Murray remember? Abraham was in this film. <laughs> who played himself in the new season of Curb. That's right. F. Murray Abraham gets to play himself. That's right. You got goddamn Ingalls from fucking Gilmore Girl, whatever their goddamn name is on that show. Is it Gilmore? Gilmore. You got her playing a, 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 a NBC censor. Doesn't make any sense. Do you remember when Jerry Seinfeld was, I mean, he still is big, but he was so big they gave him a two-hour block on NBC to do an Abbott and Costello special? Do you remember watching that? No, I do not. I watched. It was like Thanksgiving night, and it's Jerry Seinfeld like, everybody loves Abbott and Costello. <laughs> it was clearly he, he went to NBC, and they were like, yeah, we got to do whatever you say. Uh, here's two was hours. when the show was on? Yeah, it was during that. Oh, okay. Or, or if not, it was right after. But they just like show clips of Abbott and Costello, and uh, you know, that's a strange thing to have in primetime television. Now, fast food. Yeah. Not only starred Jim Varney, also starred Tracy Lords. Yeah. Was now was this like a tit movie? Like a TNA? It, I well, as I was saying, I I, th- I watched it excitedly thinking it was going to be tied to Hamburger the Motion Picture, which was the first nudity I ever saw. And yeah. a real sexual awakening for me. But then fast food was actually PG thirteen. Oh, you did you say all that? I did. I, I it might be because you're literally reading off your phone. I didn't hear a goddamn word of it. Uh, I know somebody who made love to uh, Tracy Lords. Ooh, who? Obviously, I'm not going to say. Uh, what did he say about it? He said they were drunk. He was very young, perhaps not even quite of age, <laughs> and that the next day he had a complete panic attack because he had made love to a pornography star, which I don't think is is appropriate. No, especially Although Tracy Lord. I'd be she's, in the same boat. She's she's been out of the game so long. You got nothing to worry about there. Uh, uh, those girls are probably cleaner than most women. They get tested with such regularity. And they, they always say that, the and best yet, tests. and yet they do it every two weeks. That's yeah. I, I'd I'd just be concerned. They caught something on day one back in the game. I think there's an honor code to your frequency and all that sort of stuff. But my point sure. is, is they're getting the best kind of test available every two weeks. Sure. You don't. There was a brief porn star outbreak of like HIV, but I've never heard about anything serious happening. Uh, yeah. Once in a while, there's going to be a little outbreak. But that's like, you know, I mean, look, like, our, our president's comfortable raw dogging a porn star. Did he raw? dog? That's her? true. Yeah. Did I, not use a condom. You're sure. It was on 60 Minutes oh, okay. because that's the world we're living in. I didn't. Uh, she's still, on, still the president. Speaking of which, I'll plug uh, Stormy Daniels is on the May-June double issue cover of the double issue of Penthouse. Oh. My column, You Let Me Down, will be seen in that uh, issue as always. Uh, so go check that out. But Stormy uh, might read your column. I believe that this is the first magazine cover to feature her, I think. Okay. 
Um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, so she's on the cover. So anyway, and I think she's actually, you know, she's in the magazine too. It's right. not just like she's on the cover. Um, anyway, so check that out. I will. Also, How much does a penthouse run you now if you go to the newsstand? I have no idea. Five or something. I would guess. It could be like fourteen ninety five, but they know they got to keep it tight because people can access pornography. Uh, and Playboy, which is now available at my gym, uh, is now like just like indie waif, uh, very thin girls, like in, um, you know, like boy clothes and and underwear and like yeah, it went like all Maxim, right? It went beyond Maxim into more of like a indie goth vibe, which I. Indie? What do you mean? I mean, the girls like have a lot of like mascara, and they look like kind of malnourished. At least the ones on the cover. But they're not naked anymore, right? Right, and they look more like gothy indie. They don't look like uh, you know your standard Playboy model. I never gave a shit about Playboy. Even as a kid, I was like, "Eh, put clothes on these bras. This stuff is boring. (laughs) Get me the fucking break me out that hustler over there." Let's get down dude to this, you know, if we're going to do it, let's do it. I cannot say the same because I found a Playboy in the woods that I believe had been used to wipe someone's ass. Oh, and still I was like, how can I fumigate this and bring it back to my home? Did you? I wound up tearing off the pages that appeared to have <laughs> shit on them and I put it up in my treehouse and I would go up there and masturbate. <laughs> of course. And uh, oh, Jesus, God, that's a really disturbing story. I also watched when I was probably nine, a 15, 16 year old couple fucking my clubhouse because they asked if they could use it, came to my door and asked me. I never would have known they were up there. And I was Who like, was the couple neighborhood you know kids? Them? They were like, do you mind if we use your clubhouse for a little bit? And I was like, no, that's OK. But I was like, I wonder what they're doing. And I climbed up the ladder and was able to, you know. Basically, watch a a, a a butt thrust away, but it was enough. Wow, it was a strange childhood. I remember when I was nine, I uh, I peeped on my cousin's neighbor. Okay, getting out of the shower, and I saw oh. her naked through the window, through like a window in his house into into her house. Sure, she was like nineteen. It was like one of the great thrills of my fucking young life. I mean, I couldn't believe I was seeing a naked woman in real life. Yeah, it, it was rare. I mean, I, I people joke about, you know, using the Sears catalog. I was using that Sears catalog through age 16, the bra ad section. And then what I used to do was go to like B. Dalton or Walden Books or whatever. And I would uh, get a, a large magazine like a Rolling Stone, which used to be like twice the size it is now. And I would yeah. place inside of it a penthouse, let's say. Then, while pretending to read Rolling Stone, I would carefully, with my fingernail, remove the plastic from the penthouse, look at it, and then, if I was feeling real risky, I would tear a page out while covering it with the Rolling Stone, slip it in my pocket, and run out of the bookstore. I did this all the time because it was my only way to get, like, one image we used to do a thing at the newsstand where we would, I believe I've told this story before, we'd put a porn mag inside of a regular mag and then go up and just buy the regular mag. That's smart. And the guy never seemed to notice. And then we finally just started bringing the porn mags up and he would sell them to us still. He didn't give oh. a shit. 
This guy didn't give a shit. My mom, I remember, was starting to be like, you're not allowed to go in there anymore. Because <laughs> I think she knew, like, yeah, you know. Well, that's, I mean, it's much smarter. I, I never would have been that ballsy, but it's good because then you have the backup of saying, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that was in there. Anytime uh, I would steal or do anything like that, I always had a good backup that I could say, oh, but I thought this or that. Yeah. I'm surprised I went through all these lengths to tear one image out when I could have just put the magazine in. Um, Is he dancing with the troll? Yeah. In tr- in typical... Uh, They're friends now? Yeah. I was going to say, in typical ch- children's movie fashion, the troll has somehow turned good and lovable, and Ernest and the troll now are dancing and hugging, and they're friends. The troll looks more disgusting than it's ever looked. Yeah, like Thing-style tentacles coming off its head. Oh, Ernest kissed it. And he's got... (laughs) Yeah, he's got a slime string connecting to... Oh, what's happening? This thing just keeps twisting and turning. You it's, watched this last night. It's I didn't get this far. I got to oh, okay. be honest with you. I got I got up to like right before. Oh, oh he kissed it and the troll's head exploded. Ernest really looks like he just took a facial to the mouth as well as he did in the bird poop scene. I don't understand. That was supposed to be like it was good that he saved it or that it turned good and then it turned. What the fuck just happened? I don't know. Yeah, this this thing I did notice they keep twisting and turning everything that happens in this thing. I wonder if the Ernest pictures got notes, got studio notes. I'm sure they did. They're pictures like any other. Yeah. Uh, the the kids are now turning back from wooden dolls into regular children. This kid here, the blonde haired girl. Yeah. She looked familiar, so I looked her up. Oh boy. Uh, she grew up to be like she's a gorgeous uh like indie musician what's her name i forget i had never heard of her but i I when i looked her up i was like oh that she was on third rock from the sun that's what i was recognizing her from but uh but they had new pictures of her and i was like is that the same person she's like turned into this like strikingly beautiful singer songwriter Shay Astar? Yeah, yeah, that's her. Never heard of her either. She's married. Bummed me out a little bit. <laughs> but what are you going to do? But, so she's single. What's your next move then? <laughs> yeah, maybe, I guess maybe in this I've, day and age, you can always yeah, follow, somebody follow somebody on somebody Twitter. On Instagram, and if you have more followers, maybe, you know, you got a shot. Right. I don't know. Right. The stranger things have happened. Yeah. Stranger Things season three have happened. Carrie Elwes added to the cast of Stranger Things season three. That's a weird. Well, you know, he's an eighties guy. Yeah, he has had some face work done. I could really. It seemed in the Andre the Giant documentary. That's a strange career. I mean, Princess Bride. I guess that was not a big money maker at its time, but then. Like Mel Brooks is like, yeah, you're gonna be my Robin Hood, Hot Shots, you know. Then kind of gone for a decade. Then Saw, which didn't really lend itself to like a big horror career either. He just kind of hangs in there, but it's strange. It's an odd career. It's like Matthew Modine, who's also in Stranger Things. Yes, no, I agree. Uh, is this fucking movie over yet? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ.
Pat, let's do plugs now because we're approaching the credits. All right, gang. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. Uh, my show, Living Biblically, heading into the home stretch. I don't see a season two in the cards, people. I'd love you to watch these episodes. Uh, the one that is airing tonight is my favorite episode of the entire run. It is extremely funny. Even if you watched it early on and didn't like it, I recommend checking back in because it's it's genuinely funny. And it is the one that I told you about that features two Crumholtz folks jokes, uh, which you will Great. appreciate. Check uh, it out. By Night Origins is now available on Amazon Prime uh, for you horror anthology fans or just horror fans out there. Uh, go watch it. I was proud to be a part of it, and I think it turned out pretty great. So go check that out, Joe DeRosa Comedy, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and that is it for now, folks. We'll see you next time. Uh, we are still going to do Ready Player One, by the way. People keep asking. Eventually. And we will see you in hell. That was a HeadGum Podcast. 